Amen. Okay, so as I always start, I'm going to pray once again, um, because once again, you guys don't want to hear my words, so pray with me. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are on your throne and we are not. Father, I thank you for being present in the space that you are Emmanuel, you are God with us. Therefore, we can trust that you are present here, Lord, and that you who began good work in me, you who began a good work in us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So, Lord, I do pray that right now your Holy Spirit would move in mighty ways that I can't even ask or expect or think about, Lord, that your kingdom come and your will would be done in this place. God, as, as Peter and asked in Acts 4, that, Lord, now you would grant your servant to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I pray that that would be done this morning, that, you're bold, that I would speak boldly the words of truth, not my own words. God, if there's anything on my piece of paper that you do not want me to say, don't let me say it. And if there's anything else that I need to say that is not there, Lord, I just ask that you would move in this time. Have your way. I am your servant. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so I promise we won't talk about Senegal forever, but I'm going to talk about one tiny story that will tie in. Um, but the last hotel we went to was a little bit bougier than the other ones, kind of like nicer, and it's called the Queen Hotel. And this sweet man, we were un- Heather and I were unpacking in our room, and the sweet man comes up. We're like, what are you doing here? And the sweet man comes up, and he is like, hey, your, your TV's broken. I'm going to fix it for you. And I was like, I don't really think we're going to need the TV because we're only here for a little bit. There's a beautiful beach outside. And so I was like, I, like it's okay. If you're, if you're fixing it for us, don't worry about it. And his response was, oh, not necessary, not necessary. And Heather and I still laugh about it to this day because it's like, no, that wasn't necessary for him to fix it because we wanted to spend our time doing other things. We knew that in that moment, that was not, the, like, that was not our necessary thing that we wanted to do. Um, because if we only had a short time to be there, that was not what we were going to be spending our time doing. It was, it was not necessary. Um, and so when I think about the story that I'm about to bring up, Jesus actually uses the words... Um, there's one thing necessary. There's one thing necessary. So we're going to dive in to what that means. If, like, like for us, it was like, we're going to go play on the beach. We're going to go hang with students. We're going to go do things outside of the room versus being in our room watching TV. So it was unnecessary for us to, for him to fix the TV, and he did not end up fixing the TV, if you guys were curious. But um, so, anyways, fortunately, Jesus tells us one thing that is necessary. So if you can throw Luke 10, 38 through 42 up on the screen, we're going to dive through it together. Uh, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And Martha was distracted with much serving. And when she went up, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, and the Lord answered, whoa, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, with which, uh, which will not be taken away from her. 
And so what is going on in this story? So Jesus is on a, on a journey, and he decided to stop at this village where Martha and Mary lived together. Um, they, um, it's interesting that they call it Martha's house because I think Martha, in a way, was more of the practical um, one, which is why she was the one who was, like, quick to serve. Mary was um, maybe younger. I don't really know their ages, actually. But um, anyways, so Jesus was on a special trip stopped at this village, and, um, and Martha, I, like, imagine, like, someone, like, a celebrity stopping at your house for a second. Um, would you be quick to be like, okay, I'm gonna go serve, I'm gonna go make sure, like, we're gonna prepare this big feast, or would you be, like, quick to be like, wait, I, tell me everything about who you are. Like, tell me everything. I'm just gonna take notes. Like, I just wanna ask you questions. Like, tell me, what has your life journey been like? Like, this is so cool that someone's in my house, or sometimes I find myself being distracted by even good things like serving. And Martha isn't necessarily distracted with bad things that are around her, but Martha is distracted with much serving, which probably in the time means she was preparing this big feast for them to eat. So she's like making cakes, do it like, but like making all these things in order to serve Jesus. But Jesus says, that's not necessarily, that's not necessary for you right now. Like, honestly, Martha, like, slow down. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen what is necessary. Mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary. And what was that? It was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the reason I bring you guys this story is because, as Will brought up in his announcements, yes, unfortunately, school is coming up sooner than later. And as school approaches, and summer starts to like end, this like summer of, maybe you've had like a really relaxing summer, or maybe you've gone on a bunch of vacations, but, but like it's been relaxing at the same time. Your pace is different than your school year. But we're about to go back into a pace that our culture says, do this, do this, volunteer for this, like sign up for this, like you have to be in this, like do this, like, like a bunch of things, right? Like it gets loud. And as Paul Goebel talked about this morning, like our culture is loud. There are so many voices that are trying to influence us. And honestly, I find myself even distracted with good things that I, they can become idols. Like if I make it something that's bigger than it really is, I'm making, like I'm, I'm idolizing something, even the act of serving. Maybe it's like I, I have to do all these things because I have to prove myself I have to prove it to my parents, I have to prove it to my friends, I have to prove it to my, like, to my college applications, I have to prove these things, or, and even more than that, maybe, I have to prove, maybe you think you have to prove it to Jesus, of if I just made a bunch of cakes, if I just served him, if I just did all these things, that would be necessary for me to enter into the kingdom of heaven and obtain salvation. But what Jesus tells us here is that that's not necessarily like, bad, but he's like, hey, Martha, and I want you to pay attention. He says, Martha, Martha, the double name is an intimate thing, sometimes paired even with like weeping. So like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says it twice, which is intimate, but it's also like this cry out of like, of its magnification of it. It's like, it's magnified. It's like so much bigger than just like, hey, Parker, <laughs> like, it's like, hey, listen, like, Martha, Martha, like, listen to me. But it's also with this deep affection and intimate love of I know you. Slow down. You are anxious and troubled about many things. 
you're anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing is necessary for you right now. One thing, and what is that? It says in verse 39, Mary, who sat at the feet, at the Lord's feet, and listened to his teaching. That is the one thing that is necessary. Sitting, abiding, like knowing, like it, it being, like you're saturated in it. <laughs> that it's like soaking in you. You're like a sponge that's like, I want, like teach me everything you have to teach me. Like listening, and I think it's interesting too, if you look at her posture, Back in those times, the sign of sitting at someone's feet is showing you have authority and I'm listening to you. So Mary is putting herself under the authority of the Lord's teaching and saying, whatever you say, I will listen and I will do. So the posture of her heart was not just like, she wasn't just like, okay, I'm listening, la-da-da-da-da. She was like, I literally need this. I'm putting myself under your authority. I'm sitting at your feet and saying, teach me, and I want to listen to your teaching. If you think back in elementary school, I don't know if your elementary school did this, but a lot of times you'd have a little, like, circle space in a corner, and your teacher might have had, like, this chair, rocking chair or something like that. I remember in elementary school, teachers had this for where I was, and, like, they would sit in the corner, they would sit with a book, and they would have reading time, right? And you would gather around this little spot, you would sit at her feet, and you would listen to her teaching, right? You would listen to her, the pages of what she was telling you and what she was reading. But in a way, like, that same posture, like should be ours continuously as, as daughters of, of the actual teacher, like of the teacher that gave you his actual word that is living and active, the series that we're talking about right now, it's living and active. And he gave you his words, y'all. If you want to hear him speak, his, like if you want to hear him speak, say his word out loud. He, that's him speaking. Because this is his word. It's intimate to you. It's personal to you. It's not like, written 2,000 years ago or whatever. It is personal to you today. It is living and active, which means it doesn't have like an end to it. There's no end to its power. There's no end to its goodness. There's no end to its application to you too. <laughs> it still applies to you just as much. And I think if, I, if, <laughs> if Jesus came and approached me, I think often I find myself like, Peter, why did you doubt, right? Those are, that's a question he asked Peter. I think he would probably ask me at times in my life, Martha, SP, SP, slow down. You are anxious and troubled about much. Slow down. The one thing that is necessary is for you to sit at my feet and listen. Listen to my teaching because it is good. It is good. And so Mary puts herself in a position of under someone's authority. So my question for you, if you are not sitting under the authority of Jesus, whose authority are you sitting under? And I want you to think about that for a second. If you are not sitting under the authority of Jesus, who are you sitting under? Because honestly, our world is throwing so many things at us. Like, I, like Paul said and like I brought up a second ago, like there's so much teaching around us. Go to movies. <laughs> Go to, listen to your music. Listen to like what, whatever it is, your friends around you at school in the hallways, like there's constantly this like, hey, learn this, Te like learn from this, like let me teach you this, heed onto this. But if you're not under the authority of Jesus, if you're not sitting at his feet, whose feet, or what are you sitting under? 
Are you sitting under a specific person that you're idolizing and that you're raising up? Are you sitting under social media and you're thinking that's gonna give you life? Are you sitting under um, distractions, fill in the blank? What are you sitting under? If it is not the authority of Jesus, what are you, like whose authority are you listening to? Jesus so clearly pointed out the one thing that is necessary for her or for life and that gave her what's called the good portion, which we'll get into in a second, is for her to sit and abide and know as a vine is connected to the branch, like there's, there's no unplugging. I remember I asked Mark Davis this question one time of like, how do you, like in the midst of a bunch of responsibilities, how do you rest? And he was like, it's honestly like, <laughs> like when we plug in our iPhone, right, we're plugging it in at the, like maybe at night, and then you unplug it, you take it off of the plug, you go about your day. That is what culture looks like, like, right? Like that is what a, maybe like someone who's not connected constantly to the vine, but what he was saying is that as a believer, we should constantly be plug, plugged into the outlet. Like our, we should never have to like take it out from the wall and say, all right, going on with my day. No, we are like constantly plugged into the wall. That's our source. We're connected to the vine. We're connected to the, to the source of outlet, to the source of life. Mary knew that. Mary knew this is what is life-giving to me. This is where I find joy and satisfaction is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him and taking heed of his word. And what he says in, at the end of that verse is this, but one thing is necessary, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So what is the good portion? If you can throw up there, Psalm 16, um, this uh, talks about the good portion as well. It says I, in verse two, it says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. Okay, so this is what Mary is saying. We're gonna get to the second part in a second, but without this, before the second part, you have to understand the first part. That like my statement is you are Lord and I have no good apart from you. Therefore, I can then say verse five and six, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And indeed, I have a beautiful, a beautiful inheritance. What it's saying is because I know that you are my Lord and I have no good apart from you, that is basically saying you are everything that I need. You are my inheritance. You are my treasure. You are my portion. You are my like, you are what I need. You are that source of life for me. That is what I need. Because, like, but the statement goes together. So I guess another question for you is, is the Lord Lord in your life? Because if he's not, like, what would you call Lord? Like, who do you call Lord? Either capital Yahweh Lord or lowercase Lord of, a, like, another thing that is an idol in your life. So do you know personally, like Mary knew Jesus personally, that Jesus is Lord? If that is the case, then you have chosen the good portion the inheritance, back in Old Testament times, they would like, you would receive an inheritance of land. Now, Jesus was basically our like, our like gift in that now. Like we receive, well, one, we have hope for eternity later. That is the land that's given to us soon that we like get to hope for. But right now we have the fullness of joy found in Jesus. That's the gift. That's the gift that Mary knew. That's the gift that she was like 
I need. (laughs) She knew that. She knew, you are my Lord, you are my rabbi, which means teacher, you are the Messiah. You are my good portion of what I need. That is the one thing that is necessary for me. And if I only have, like we only had a short time in Senegal, if I only have a short time on life, what are you going to spend your time doing? Is Jesus your Lord? Are you sitting under the lordship of his name? Like are you, are you letting him rule every area like, we talked, like I talked about two weeks ago where it's like fully changing you because he is your Lord and master and your chosen portion, your cup that you have to have. The one thing that is necessary for you. Your inheritance, your blessing. John Piper says it this way. This is what David is basically saying in Psalm 16. You are my Lord, but you are also my good portion. God allots my inheritance, but God is also my inheritance. God governs my life, but God is also my life. He is my lot holder, but he is also my lot itself. That is what Psalm 16 is saying. That is what Mary knew. That is what Mary knew. And not that Martha didn't know that, but in this specific situation and how often do I have to be quickly humbled of what am I running and chasing after? What are the things that I'm filling my calendar with that are even good things like serving that I just need to pause and say, if I'm doing that, how much more do I need to be spending time with Jesus too? Like an intimate, personal time with the Lord that is, that is daily, that is like heeding that, of I need it, I need it daily. Like I can't live without it. So Mary chose the good portion of Jesus being the eternal life. Like that was her everything to her. And she showed it by her action of submitting under the authority and sitting at his feet and listening. We also see later in her life it backs up where she, sorry, um, it backs up. She like does, she puts into practice what she hears as well. She's actually the one to anoint Jesus' feet later on with her oil, showing that she's preparing him. She knows he's about to die. She's preparing him for that burial. It's interesting because she's putting in action what she has already herself already known, like has, has heard, but you can't know what to do without hearing it first, right? So not that this is all about do's and don'ts. Guys, it is a delight too. It is a delight and a joy to get to read the living and active word of God. So my like an application is what was the one thing that she found necessary as the school year approaches y'all I would challenge you to think about what are priorities in your life because to be honest we make time for the priorities that we like that we have right so if I think social media by like at the end of the day I have to check it by the end of the day at least once a day if that is priority to me it could be 3 a.m and I could still like I could still get onto that right or if seeing your boyfriend was a priority for you every single day, I don't care what it looks like, what time it is, like I will see him, right? You guys see this in your own life too. If, if you have a priority, like eating lunch, <laughs> if that is a priority to you, you will do so, right? And so my, my question is like, where are your priorities going into the school year? Like is, is it necessary <laughs> for you to sit with Jesus? Is it necessary for you as a year approaches that says, I like have tasted and seen that God is good and I want to know him more. I want to know him like that, like Mary does intimately. I want to know that, that God. I want to know that Jesus. 
Psalm 119 says, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So this is a lamp to our feet. If you're questioning where to go, what to do, this is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Not all the things that we're distracted with are bad. Some of the things we could probably prioritize better. Not all of them are bad, but y'all, my, like, I have found in my life that when I don't make sitting with Jesus a priority, my day is off. I find myself trying to win approval of man. I find myself fearing, like in fear, and this is like where my flesh comes out. And it still comes out even after time with the Lord at times too. This is where I have to constantly walk in repentance too of my own sin too. But find myself going to the approval of man when I don't have it in my approval in the Lord, when I don't know that my approval is in him and stamped by that. I find it in other people. I, like I find myself falling into fear, pride, temptations. But when I root myself in his word and remind myself that I'm like, that he is my source of life, security, my refuge when I, whenever comes my way today, my source of approval, it changes my priorities for that day as well. So Mary knew her personal intimacy was more important than what was going on around her in the world. The only thing that was necessary for her in that moment was to be at Jesus' feet. Psalm 90 verse 14 says this, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Y'all, I want, I want to like wake up every single morning and say this, Lord, satisfy me this morning with your steadfast love, that I may rejoice and be glad all my days. Satisfy me with your steadfast love, that I may rejoice. I'm going to ask this question again before I get into one other thing that, is, that was necessary if you are not sitting under the authority of Jesus, whose authority are you sitting under? Acts 17, 2 through 3 says this, and this is another thing, which is really cool because I was studying the word necessary last night before doing this, but Paul says this. Paul went in as, as was his custom, and on three, whoa, I think I'm off on my page. Um... Okay, well, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is Christ. Okay, so if my personal time with the Lord is necessary, what, what Paul is also saying is that it was necessary for Christ to suffer. Why? So that we may have life so that we may be stamped, approved by him. It was necessary for Christ to suffer, so that, and then also to raise again. And y'all, God in his foreknowledge knew, his foreknowledge knew that we ourselves are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. And in his loving kindness, as John 3.16 says, he gave his son, he gave Jesus so that we may walk away with eternal life. The one thing necessary, he gave. He gave that life. He gave that as a gift. It was necessary 
so that, we, so that he could bring us in as followers of Jesus Christ into his family, that we may have eternal life. He knew that that was the way to salvation is only through Christ Jesus alone. Only through Christ Jesus alone. By you saying, Jesus is Lord, the Lord of my life and every single part of my life. That was necessary for Jesus to suffer, to raise again, so that we may have life and life to the fullness So because Christ gave his life for me, because I was once lost and now I see, because I was once blind, hang on, blind but now I see, lost but now I'm found, that is amazing grace. And that is amazing love that how can it be that you truly my king, you truly my Messiah, you truly who walked perfectly, who did not, who did not sin, you who knew no sin, did not like took my place so that I may have eternal life. So how much more does that pull me to my knees in gratitude, saying thank you, Lord? How much more does that make me say I have to have this? Like that, this is the one thing that is necessary in my life. No matter what comes my way, this is the one thing that is necessary in my life. I have found joy, I have found peace through this, and I want to listen. Like it, it, like, it is a delight to sit at Jesus' feet when you know him intimately. It is a delight, and Mary knew that. Mary knew that was the one thing that was necessary for her. And now, and that was even before Jesus came, died, and rose again. And now we see the fullness of the picture we don't see the fullness of our picture yet. We see the fullness of his picture and yet get to long for the eternity that one day we will get to stand face to face with him. Behold him in all of his glory. Like that's necessary for me. <laughs> that is necessary for life. Like that, that hope of the future, that is necessary for me to live off of. That is words that I need that is, that is what Mary knew. That the one thing, the good portion she needed was to sit at the feet of Jesus to listen. So this, this year, who are you listening to? And what are, what are priorities? Like, what are, what are priorities? Do you know that Jesus, like Mary, knew? Do you know that intimacy? Do you know the compassion the mercy, his mercy is more, his, our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more, like we just sang about. Do you know that? Do you know that he is a loving and good father? Do you know that he is Lord? And if you do, does that change everything about the way you do life? Do you know that that is the one thing that is necessary for you? The one thing that is necessary. And may we be people who say, that, like, the Lord is my Lord, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. My, my, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. May we be people who say, teach me your word. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And may I fix my gaze on you. My beauty, like my, on, their, on your beauty, may I fix my gaze on you and may everything else in the background just fade away.
Mary knew that. Mary sat at his feet long enough, listened, and knew that. And so I want to be like that too. Pray with me. Father, you are a good father who gave up your one and only son so that in him we may have life. Lord, that is amazing love that I pray we never get over. That is amazing grace that I pray we never grow numb to and forgive us for times that we do. Lord, I pray that as the culture speaks loudly, you would speak louder to us, that we would crawl at your feet, sit under the authority of your word, and that we would heed on to what your word is saying, because you have the words of eternal life. The disciples knew that. They said, where else would we go except, because you have the words of eternal life, Lord, you have that, and so how much more do we need it than the things of this world? Lord, help us to know that Help us to find life in that. Lord, I pray that you would grow our hunger and thirst to know you and to be satisfied in you. I pray that you would teach us to to abide, teach us to sit with you in a humble posture. And Lord, I pray that as, as our days go on, as our calendars are full, that you would be the one thing that is necessary in our day. We love you and praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.